we're set up to further other Web3 projects and projects from our community. You could say like a monkey combinator or you know, white combinator of sorts from our community. Kind of reminiscent of also Ethereum when they built their community. It's about the community of developers who will build apps on top of Ethereum. For us, we're a community who can be builders and investors for Web3 projects and starting with the on-chain monkey, monkeyverse community. Hey everyone, Kevin Rose here. Welcome back to another episode of Proof. So much going on right now. Really excited to tell you that we have multiple Proof events for the Moonbirds, for the Proof Collective, some community-led events all coming up next week at NFT NYC. If you're going to be out in New York, head on over to events.proof.xyz. There you will see all of our events and get all the details on how to attend. And I hope to see you there. It's going to be fun to hang out, meet everyone in real life for the first time since COVID, which is going to be great. And we just have some fantastic stuff planned. Our main event, Proof of Moonbirds, is open to, of course, Moonbirds holders and the Proof Collective as well. We're having Tame Impala play as the musical guest. We have Mixmaster Mike that's going to be there that is the DJ from the Beastie Boys. And David Blaine is going to be walking around uh, doing live magic for everyone, which is pretty awesome, some, some street magic. And a handful of other surprises as well. So hope to see you at one of these events. Again, that's events.proof.xyz. So today's guest is Danny Yang. Danny is the founder of OnChain Monkey. At first glance, OnChain Monkey appears as just a basic set of 10,000 monkeys made in vector. It looks very Illustrator-esque. But behind the scenes, they're doing a lot of really awesome things, including the fact that historically, this was the first fully on-chain PFP generated from a single transaction. So technically, it's very impressive. But also, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have Danny on the show is that I'm really impressed with the community building aspect that they put into this. So in this episode, we talk a lot about community, what it means to be an on-chain monkey, and we cover their new upcoming drop called Karma, which is coming out very soon. And we have links to the various allow lists if you're interested in that. Danny is certainly someone that I respect in the space just because I am always looking for people that are in this for the long haul, people that are looking to build real connections between their community members. So we've had a handful of calls outside of this podcast and compared notes on how to build communities for the long term. So with that, this is Danny Yang. Danny, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kevin. Great to be here. Yeah, I wanted to kick things off by getting into a little bit of your background because you are a NFT and platform creator, but also doxed at the same time. So it's nice that we can actually talk about um, some of your previous stuff that you've built in the past. So when did you get started with crypto? Well, I started my first company in crypto in 2013. And before that, I started a Stanford Bitcoin meetup. So I went to Stanford for my computer science PhD. And actually, I, I went there back in 98, right when the dot-com boom was happening. And I met a, a bunch of you know friends who later were with me for many years. I mean, still are. And they turned out to be you know Bobby Lee, Charlie Lee. And you know, actually, it was Charlie Lee who got Bobby, his brother, into crypto. He started Litecoin back in 2011. And then Bobby, so actually, and then this was at Stanford, but then a few years later, I moved to Beijing to start a company in big data and Bobby was in Shanghai. And so we, and we were, you know, friends through that period. I moved back to the U S Bobby was still in 
Shanghai. He wanted to start BDT, what became BDT China. Basically, it became the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world at that time in 2013. He wanted me to be his co-founder for that. But I had just moved back from China and I went to the US. And I, and I was worried about doing you know, Bitcoin. This was back when Bitcoin was pretty much the thing, only thing, doing that、mm-hmm. in China. And as we later found out, you know, that, was, that was a hard move. And you know, Bobby's still doing well. He has another company called Ballet now. But that's how I got into crypto. I started my own company, which was MyCoin, the cryptocurrency exchange in Taiwan. And that's been going on since 2013. Today, it's the largest cryptocurrency exchange in Taiwan. It's kind of like the Coinbase of, of Taiwan. Wow. But, Why did you, know, you leave it? It sounds like it's doing quite well. Yeah. Well, I, my, my passion is data technologies and what you can do with the data. That's why I got into Bitcoin in the first place. Is you have this decentralized ledger that the whole world can see and you can build interesting ap- applications on top of Bitcoin. You know, this was before Ethereum was seen, like in 2013. So I started another company called Blockseer, which is analyzing Bitcoin data to you know, figure out what's going on. And we were looking for product market fit. From you know, analyzing data. And we talked to you know, the, the market at the time, which was cryptocurrency exchanges and traders, and also on a compliance or on a law enforcement side. I mean, as we see today, you know, back in earlier days, lots of, lots of hacks and you know, criminal activity. So basically, that was a product market fit we found. And we, we basically were the first company to work with the US Secret Service, they're our first customer, then you know, IRS, FBI, you know, all, all the The law enforcement agencies and then exchanges too as a compliance service to help them do anti money laundering AML.、Mm. So that company I sold in 2018 and I worked at the acquired company for a couple of years. And then so last year, Can I, I ask you to, real quick before we move into、yeah. the, the next company. I'm just curious. I mean, what, what fascinating insights you must have seen looking at all the, the data and, and working with those big agencies to track down people that are you know, evading the law. What percentage of overall You know, at that time, overall traffic or overall transfers of currency, like, was it, is it something where it's a small subset of overall usage of cryptocurrency, or, or would you say it's a bigger problem than most people think? I don't think it's a problem. It's actually you know, a good use case of the technology, it's not, not just for illegal activity, but just for convenience of remittance or you know, where people are unbanked. I think that's why people are interested in originally Bitcoin and Ethereum later and all the other. You know, decentralized currencies. De- definitely, there is, I mean, because it is a powerful technology, it is, there are kind of the, basically the, the silk roads and the, the black markets. But not all, I mean, some are really bad, but it's not all, I mean, that's not the majority of the use case. But that, I think that's what gets the most press. So, sure. Yeah, every、negativity. one of those is a press worthy、yeah. event. Sending, sending a friend some cryptocurrency to pay for a, a beer doesn't really hit the headlines, does it? Like, it's, it's exactly. <laughs> It's only the crazy stuff. Do you think, and then we can, I promise we can get onto NFTs, but were people using it, it always was confusing to me that people would be using Bitcoin for those types of activities when I'm just like, this is the most transparent ledger out there. Like, why aren't you using Zcash or Monero or would, what, do you get any sense of that? Were people using those a- as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Bitcoin is very traceable, but most of the crime is on Bitcoin. And it, You know, people can look at years later and, and analyze it and have an idea. And, and we did see crazy things. In fact, we were actually involved in one case where 4,000 Bitcoin was stolen. And we actually recovered 1,000 of it because you know, we were able to trace it in, in time and, and freeze some of the assets. So that was actually a you know, pretty big win on, on our, for, for the client who we, we helped. 
you know, recover a thousand Bitcoin, which, you know, is substantial. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So you sold that company and then what, what brought you to the NFT ecosystem? What was it about it? Yeah, actually we were interested. So this is on applications, you know, looking at data, but then what applications can you build on top of it? And one thing we worked on back in 2015, so Bill Tai is my co-founder now and also was an investor in my previous companies. We, we did a project with Hernan, the Peruvian economist, Hernando de Soto, you know, who wrote the book, The Mystery of Capital. And he was instrumental in reforming land title in the country of Peru. And, and basically by providing land title to the farmers in Peru, they kicked out the drug cartels who, who basically, you know, used to control that and, you know, grow, yeah, basically a lot of crime with, with all the drugs being produced. And, and that basically that land title reform or, or rather is providing that title. We were talking about doing that on a blockchain and we designed the system and we proposed it to the government of Egypt to help Egypt actually do the same thing that Peru did. So this was basically using blockchain to do land titles, which is a unique asset on a blockchain, which is an NFT. So that was, you know, an early use case. And that, that was too big a, or too ambitious a project, you know, back then. So it, it didn't get off the ground or rather it, we went to the highest level of Egypt where we presented to President CC, but then it was stuck there. And so, you know, we, we moved on. But, you know, Hernando de Soto is still working on related work with blockchain too. Well, that's, that's crazy. And, and But NFTs weren't really a thing at this time when you were proposing that to Egypt though, correct? Like that. <laughs> yeah, that was, pre, that was 2015. So pre-NFTs, pre-CryptoKitties and all, all that. But crypto, so when CryptoKitties came out, I was working on Bloxier. So, we were first, I was talking about analytics for Bitcoin, but then when Ethereum came out, we were actually the first visual block explorer for Ethereum. And we worked with, you know, companies like Etherscan. Etherscan, you know, um, is, is actually a good friend, like the founder, Matt, Matt is a good friend of mine, because we, we were building the first block explorers for Ethereum, right, at launch. And there are a lot, like, there's lots of complexity. It's a lot harder to do Ethereum block explorer than a Bitcoin block explorer because of the smart contract code and all the little corner cases and, and bugs too. Ethereum had, you know, bugs in it over, over the years. And definitely in the beginning, we, we caught a bunch of those. And so we, we built this visual block explorer for Ethereum and you could track, you know, the flow of funds through Ethereum and it's for our contracts. And I, I think even today, there isn't a good visual explorer for, for the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah. And so crypto case came out and we were all DJing into, you know, playing, you know, games on Ethereum. And that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And we followed that also on the data side. Yeah. But what, what actually impressed Bill at the time was what you could, how, how you could use NFTs to leverage a community to, to, to do something good. So he actually, when, when Dapper Labs formed, you know, he was a you know, early investor in, in Dapper Labs and he asked Rome to create an NFT for ocean conservation, Hono Kitty. And so that was kind of an early like for good application NFTs. But when we started this company, we were thinking that last year, thinking how, how can we leverage NFTs to really align communities around causes? So basically doing good and, and doing well. Mm -hmm. and, and so yeah. let's talk about the genesis of on-chain monkeys. Like you had this idea of aligning it. Let's, I understand the doing good, but what do you mean by the doing well piece? Like yeah. that's the second part of that. Totally, totally. Well, it's also about creating value for the community. So, you know, people need to be sustainable, right? People have to create value. Like a country has to, you know, ha you know, produce valuable assets, you know, to, to, 
to to grow and and to you know trade with other countries or it won't i mean you need to basically create wealth for yourself and for others and so this is how can we leverage this technology to create wealth and then also to to have a kind of mission and values around you know the community that we we create this with so that's what we want to do with an nft community and so that's what we launched on chain monkey actually we were working on another nft collection that was more like more more mainstream art like you would see in i guess pretty much all the nft collections like like cool art of yeah a, a pfp but the on-chain monkey actually originated because i was inspired by well first i guess crypto punks is kind of a, also its own unique art right it's, it's pixelated it's is i mean it, it's kind of if you didn't know about nfts when you look at it, you know it, it's it's not something you think is like awesome art right it's, it's very unique it's quite iconic um, and then also art blocks was an inspiration because of the on-chain nature of it, right? Creating art. Well, well first, you know, art is its own collectible and, and quite unique. And then you put it on-chain and it's all on-chain. It's not a pointer to IPFS, right? Th- that was pretty cool where you can memorialize it in, in the blockchain and not just a tradable asset or tradable artifact. I mean, both are important. They're, they're interesting aspects of NFTs. So kind of with, with those two things in mind, you know, I wanted to do something that was also, you know, art inspired with technology. So having, and that, that's why I wanted to do it all on chain in one transaction. That was important because it was, it cover, minimizes the gas cost and kind of footprint, you could say, of, of the project. And then a rich collection. So like Punks is a cool 10,000 collection, right? You could do one piece that's pretty cool on chain in one transaction, but to do 10,000 is a lot harder. And also 10,000, that's just purely random because that's also not so interesting for a collection where people care about traits, meta traits, and you know trade distributions. So it was about getting all of that into a single transaction. And that was the goal for OnChain Monkey. And as a kind of art piece, that was unique, you know, first of its kind thing. So, so we launched that September 11th last year. And also in the free mint, and there was a stealth drop where it was dropped and then I tweeted it and basically then it kind of spread from there with no prior marketing. And that was actually supposed, not supposed to be the project that we launched with for the company because we were actually working on this one that, a a different one. But because it came out and it found some community, we decided to adopt that as the project and that's what we've been, you know, doing since. So for the last nine months, we've been, you know, building on top of Unchained Monkey, you know, kind of growing this community, growing our values and kind of our mission of creating, you know, doing good and doing well. So creating value for our community and also, you know, doing, you know, good along the way. And then Can, sort of... Let's unpack that doing the creating value for the community because that's such a... It's a really subjective thing, right? Like value can come from the 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 connection of two individuals having a great, great chat in a private Discord somewhere, right? Or value can come from derivative project drops that go out to the community. When you say, you know creating value what are some of the steps that you have taken to provide you know value back to the community like how do you how do you personally define that for your community yeah so i think the easy way for everyone to just measure it is by the the tradable asset and and the price of that so whether the floor price or the median price you know so looking at that over the time so that's how we you know everyone is measuring it and because OpenSea made the floor price like a big thing, then, you know, floor price is a big part of it. Then, I mean, that's kind of just 
a KPI kind of measure. In terms of what value we create, well, it's about you know building this community. Also, we we even before we started on ChainMonkey, we already built a community around our friends and family investors into the company. Basically, people who can you know, provide value to us through their network and and their advice on you know how to you know build a Web two slash Web three you know business. And so this is this network that we have, and we continue to grow with Onchain Monkey. So access to you know good people to discuss how we can build further. We set up also building the, the right. So crypto is a tool, like the tokens and token center is a tool that we're using. And, and for example, we hired an awesome general counsel, Jennifer Sum, who was general counsel for Definity, you know, internet computer when it launched. And she was also my classmate at Stanford, you know, two decades ago when she did Stanford law there. Like, like we set up the, you know, our, our, you know, our, we set up a decentralized homeless organization fund uh, or DAO that is also set up properly to handle, you know, growth for U.S. you know, U.S. regulatory framework. And so, and also launching an NFT project and, you know, we can basically, we're set up to further other Web3 projects and projects from our community. So, so kind of like, you could say like a, you know, monkey combinator or, you know, white combinator. Of, of sorts from from our community. So in a way, in a, uh, kind of reminiscent of also Ethereum when they built their community, it was about a, a community of developers who will build apps on top of Ethereum. For us, you know, we're a sample, a community who can be, you know, the builders and investors for Web3 projects and starting with the, you know, the, you know, the on-chain monkey, monkeyverse community. It's interesting how much overlap there is between, you know, our two kind of core drivers for why we do what we do, right? Like the the thing I, I when I think about value to the Moonbirds community and to the Proof Collective, it's you know, I, I, I don't really I never talk about floor price. So that's one thing we, we do avoid, but that is a little bit different. But we do talk about the connections that are made, the the you know, both in real life and online, how we can, you know, you reported about this monkey combinant or like a lot of our efforts are, are are now going into how can we empower the community to do great things, and that means if they launch a new project, get behind the, their their own projects that they're building. Um, you know, try to to take the good and and use some of our own internal resources and and really multiply it out, right? Great. Which is which is it's a fun thing to tackle. Yeah, I mean, our resources, you know, from before we launched the community, the NFT community, but also the NFT community knows. A lot too is kind of the, and, and you have the tokens that incentivize the community to work together and and yeah I, I think with Moonbirds and what you've done with you know nesting that's also a great mechanic and we we learn from the past so you know the apes learn from the you know punks the oh, punks 100%. learn from you know just Ethereum launching Ethereum learn from when you know Bitcoin launched all these are and all the ICOs I mean. It's all like ICOs are the precursor to all the NFTs that happened last year. So some of the ICOs did quite well and became you know big projects that are still around today. Yeah, absolutely. So the 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 kind of you launched this ten thousand. It was free and and just to get into a little bit of the weeds here to give people a sense of what you've you've done. So you released on September eleventh of twenty twenty one. Ten thousand is total. You withheld five hundred back for the company's reserve. It was free to mint. You're doing a higher royalty fee at, at 10%, but it was free to mint, so whatever. 
That's how that makes sense to me. 20% goes back to the Dow from those royalties. And then 80% goes to the meta good team, which is your parent company for building, maintaining, marketing on Monkeys. And then after 200 and 800 ETH collected respectively, respectfully, the split will be revised to 50-50. So when that, so the DAO is controlling some of those funds. Can you give me some example use cases of what the DAO has approved so far? Have they, have they deployed some of those funds? And if so, what are some of the causes? Yeah. So actually we have not, we have not used a DAO yet, but it's accumulating funds. And really we are at the start of our project in that the, the, so the, the Anche Monkey was the kind of original you know, free mint and karma coming out end of this month. So June 29th, you could say is the kind of official public launch of, you know, our, our Anche Monkey community. And so the Anche Monkey NFT, the, the Genesis, we call it Genesis the free, the, the free mint September 11th. The, the, those are kind of OG ones. The karma ones coming out this month are the, the fancy art, you know, by our awesome artists and they each have one vote in the DAO. So they're actually equal in terms of you know DAO voting power and I, I think bec- because of the way we did it this way where we, we we're kind of you know we, we took the inspiration of how the board apes did it with the serum to get the mutants but also you know how you know you launch proof and then you launch moonbirds I think there there's some confusion people think that karma is like a pet of Genesis but it's more like you know perhaps moonbirds is to proof that they're they're you know they're first class citizens in our community, you know, each one. And in our case, we have a, a central DAO, or I mean, a decentralized DAO, a DAO, a community DAO. That's the proper word. We have a community DAO, the OCM DAO, that both Genesis and, and Karma holders have one vote. If you have both, you get a bonus vote. So that's where, you know, you can get some added benefit for having, you know, Genesis because the Genesis holders were, were dropped some. So the, the Karma launch will be a public mint of 10,000 and then 10,000 that are from desserts, which is another, that's the tokenomics that we, we took from the apes where they have this So 20,000 in total? At most, yeah, if all the desserts are burned. So right now, already 20,000 are trading. And they, so this is where we did it differently from the apes, where we launched the desserts on, on in February. So it's already been four months of trading. So you can see the, the trade history and have a market price for what the three desserts are. And so... When we launch the public mint, they can start burning the desserts to get the karma. So that would be actually a pretty exciting dynamic when we see see how you know the prices of the desserts change as they get burned because that would be deflationary there. But it, but it's basically you're trading the dessert for a karma. So it would go from twenty thousand total now to thirty thousand. Right, but you're not trading the dessert for a karma. You have to have a dessert and a genesis in order exactly. to create the karma. Exactly. So that's the the extra utility of the Genesis where a Genesis can burn or eat up to three desserts. The there's D one that is the most common dessert. D two is, is more rare and then D three is super rare. That's like the mega mutant. So they're only And just so 15. people know when when we say desserts, you you're not you're hearing the audio of this, so let's let's visually represent this. You've got this this on chain monkey, the Genesis collection, very vector looking, like, you know, basic but in but in uh, like to your point like a crypto punk style away where you appreciate them for for the 
complexity of the the on-chain component of it and the, the single transaction to get them through and all of that, right? It's not like they're super dense graphically, right? Exactly. So you, you have that, that's your genesis. Then you introduce these things called desserts and just get people a sense of what they are. One looks like, like a kind of ice cream and ice pop. Second one looks exactly. a little more like a donut. It's called the divine donut. And a third one is like a bigger cake. Each one of those individual things that are consumed by the Genesis pieces have different different levels of scarcity to them. So the ice pop being the most common, the donut a little bit more rare, and then the cake the rarest. Did I have that correct so far? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So now as a on-chain monkey Genesis, I can consume up to three of these. If I consume up to three, I will produce then one. When I consume them, I produce one of these new ones that are coming out, which are the higher fidelity on-chain monkeys in terms of graphically called on-chain monkey karma. When you say up to three, does that mean one ice pop, one donut, one cake, or could I consume yes, three ice exactly. pops? You cannot. It has to be one of each type. Unique, which is yeah. going to be impossible given that there's no cakes for sale. <laughs> exactly. So the cakes are actually not considered their own separate class. When we say you have a complete set, it is having the D1 and the D2. And then if you use a Genesis and eat both D1 and D2, then you'll get a K1 and a K2 for the D1 and D2. And then the combined with the Genesis, that's, a, that's considered a set. So I see. What is it? So when you say K1 and K2, what, is that, what does that mean? So good question. So we, we just went over desserts. And so there are yes. D1, which is ice pop, D2, the the divine donut and D3 the cake celestial cake. So if you eat the the first one the D1 you get a K1 or karma 1. If you eat the D2 you get the K2. So K1 and K2 are actually separate collections within the karma collection. So they have like K1 has its own set of traits and we've been showing the previews of K1. Mm. We haven't shown any previews of K2 or those are so just like you went from the Genesis, which is as you, the simple circles and squares to high fidelity K1. K2 will be more high fidelity than K1 or cooler. It has different, basically our art team had more freedom. And so because we did this in these steps, K1 had actually a bunch of restrictions because we had to tailor for Genesis. K2 has less restrictions, so it has some cooler things in, in it. And also it's more rare. And so you have basically two collections within the larger collection. And then K3, they're unique one-on-ones. Basically, our, our artists just go wild on those. Gotcha. Now, the one thing that I'm, I'm kind of confused by is this graphic here on the website where it says Genesis holders, which means the, the very first 10,000. It says, if 10,000 karma from desserts, that means 10,000 of this new collection will be created from desserts. If all desserts are eaten, 55% will be karma one from dessert one. That means that 55% of the karma mint will be K1s. Is that right? So that means the desserts are in that distribution. So okay. because the K2 or because the karma twos we want are, are more rare. And so in the dessert distribution, the dessert distribution and the public mint distribution are slightly different. And so it favors having desserts to get karma two, while in the public mint, it's more rare to get a karma two. Okay, so when you see the the public mint, that has on the website that has absolutely nothing to do with existing holder. In 
Meaning, like, well, I, I don't, I can't yes. create, I can't take away correct. from one of those That's ten thousand by okay, correct. They're they're so, a separate I mean, set, also. Yes, right. So I can yeah. go and mint one, obviously, because there's a public mint or whatever. If I get on the list yep. or however that works out, but in terms of anything I do with the donuts or the desserts or anything in my Genesis collection, that's not pulling out of that number of public mints. There will ever be 10,000 karma collection public mints. Correct. Correct. And 85% of those are going to be of the K1 variant, which are the more common and 15% are going to be of the K2 variant, which are less common. And then five of them are going to be of the K3, which are one of ones. Exactly. Exactly. And the, so there are different sets in the Karma collection, but each one has the same, you know, equal voting power. So, you know, the same membership rights as, you know, the, all the Karma and also Genesis have, you know, the one vote. Karma has the one vote. It's when you combine the, yeah, combine them that you get the bonus. But you can actually, so here's how it connects to Genesis. If you have a, so we were talking about having a set, Genesis and the matching K1 and K2. If you just have eight Genesis and eight Karma, from the public mint or from desserts, that's also considered a bonus, and then you will get a bonus vote. So, so that's also how it's relevant to get. Basically, the public mint has you know just as much value. So basically, you know this and this is why I say this is not a like, like a pet collection. This is like the collection. Like Genesis and Karma are the membership into this you know Archie Monkey community and the value we we you know keep creating together. What what is your you know one of the things I'm I'm, I'm asking is just because I'm trying to figure it out myself. I'm trying to get as many unique holders as possible. Like for me, yeah. I would rather see more individuals get onboarded into NFTs. I love what you're doing. It seems that your your price points are really reasonable. The future drops that we do are going to be insanely reasonable as well because we just want to figure out how to get a more diverse group of people in. Quite frankly, and you know. Do you have any ideas there that you're worth that are worth sharing around? You know, how do we bring in more women, more people of color? Like, are there are there things that you're doing so it's just not big whales coming in and and eating up all of this at at low mint prices? Or how do you guard against that when you're when you're going out to the public air? Totally, totally. So you know, we are doing. I mean, one is we're we're doing this allow list NFT drop to give to our community so that they can give out to people they want to bring in. And so that, that kind of empowers everyone to bring in more new people into it. I mean, and, and that's, and we're all motivated to bring in, you know, quality, pe- quality people in particular, you know, not just, we don't want to bring in you know, just flippers who would just care about pumping it and dumping it. So that, that's, that has never been our, our goal for this project. And so it's, you know, we, on the team side, you know, we're out, you know, reaching out to, you know, the people in our network and kind of, for example, we were at consensus over the weekend. And we were one of the eight finalists for the Web3 competition. And there, there, there are tons of people who never got into NFTs and are still just kind of figuring out what the heck NFTs are. And many of them are planning to mint karma, you know, basically their first NFT, you know, you know, holding and, and kind of learn about being in the NFT community. But they are from the crypto community and also know how to, you know, build crypto products or invest or are building themselves. So that, those are the type of people we want to bring in in particular. Um, and also, I mean, just, you know, talking to you and talking to other, you know, people in, in the space now to, to kind of tell, yeah, tell more folks about what we're doing. We haven't, so what we haven't, so going back to kind of the, the stealth mint, right? Because we did the stealth mint with Genesis, we didn't reach out very broadly. And also, you know, we, we've just been focused on growing our community 
to, it's been a short time, right? Like we both started companies before. It takes time to build out a product, right? So yeah. with NFT space, the expectations are unrealistic where they expect something every month, right? Like every month you need to pump out something. But really, if you want to build something, you know, meaningful, you know, you, you need kind of longer roadmaps. And so, you know, we, we've had nine months to kind of build up the first part and now we're launching Karma and we're going to, you know, build out more. And also in terms of like holder count, yes, I agree. Getting more people in is ideal. But, you know, if you have a few thousand people, you know, that, that is a start, you know, because there aren't that many people in NFTs in the first place. So it, it'll come over time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So give me the, the you know, you had mentioned, we, we talked separately and, and I'm okay with cutting this out if you want to on our, on our private chat, but you'd mentioned, you know, wanting to adopt something similar to, to what we're doing with nesting. And I'm, I'm all for it. I, I think that, you know, it, I think of this as, as such an expansive space. Like if I have a good idea and you want to use it or anybody, to, like who cares? Like let's all build together, right? So that's that's my take. Totally. What, what's what's your plans there on, on are you thinking about doing some of the kind of more locking up mechanics or can you share any of that today? Yeah, so absolutely. So we're, we're launching this concept of missions. So going taking your monkey on missions and the missions. So we have, right now we have three things in our community. We have the NFTs. So these are the membership tokens. And we want to do more with, pretty soulbound tokens where you actually know it's a like a unique person that's not tradable back and forth. I mean, basically the two types of NFTs, right? I think SBTs are pretty interesting. So we have the NFTs, we, we have our, our treasure or DAO, our DAO treasury, and then we have the fungible token, the banana. So these three things, you know, actually work together to, with this thing we're adding, which is called missions, which is kind of the, like, so those are the three things, the, the fungible token, the non-fungible token, and the DAO f- treasury are like the pillars of which missions sit on top of. So missions are basically kind of the call to action for, 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 you know, having something done or getting something done. And, and, you know, some, some missions you can do and you earn bananas, the fungible token. Some you might earn an NFT. Some is just the recognition that you've done it. And so one mission, one of the missions would be the, the kind of effect of, of nesting. Where in our in our monkey verse world, the story is, you know, you so so experimentation. So we have four values: respect, integrity, sustainability, experimentation. Experimentation is one of our values. So that mission is, you know, you want to do research. You know, you go to the lab and your, your monkey's doing research for a period of time. And during that period of time, you might discover things, and so you, you might get dropped something when you're doing research. And when you're doing research, you can't be, you know, disturbed where you're, you know, trading your NFTs or listing the NFTs to trade. So, so that's kind of the, the, the lab mission. And that's one type of mission. But other missions can be actually pretty like, like going to NFT NYC or going to IRL events or attending our, our, you know, our, our meetups, right? Those can be a mission. Some missions might cost bananas, our fungible token to, to do, but you know, there's not many, some rewards, some rewards, just meeting a person in person, connecting with people, right? That's, that's the reward. But you had to pay some bananas to do it. But how, like, why are we doing this mission thing? Because we're actually creating this economy around a fungible token. So the, and the DAO. So the DAO can also fund missions or actually just fund completely, you know, new projects that, that help our community that may or may not use the banana. But the platform is that the banana can circulate. And actually these missions, right, when they either cost or reward bananas, there's going to be a, a, basically a platform feed but the fee goes to the DAO, right? And the DAO basically can keep circulating these bananas 
in terms of you could think of like a a, a basic like a like a universal basic bananas like a UBI type of thing that kind of funds all the token holders in our system. But you need basically sources and stinks for the bananas, and that's what we're creating. And and as as so so basically people can create more value by doing missions and also supplying missions to do. So and eventually we want to broaden it to you know community members are you know building projects that use missions. For now we have a, you know a bunch of missions lined up where we are seeding this this environment. And also the DAO back to talking about the monkey combinator is about also you know funding projects broadly in Web three that can you know benefit this ecosystem where we have this nice network of investors, builders, creators, you know, artists too. Yeah, that's amazing. That's fantastic. There's there's been a few things that, you know, we we've sent out these sticker packs to our community and we have like a member signing channel on our Discord and you know, there's a, a whole slew of different things that you can imagine. With missions, you can you just really empower folks to go out and do awesome things and and contribute to the health of the ecosystem or to the community or you know, it can be in real world stuff or, or online based. And, you know, you could deputize developers to go build stats sites or whatever it may be. Right. And, and make these little mini missions, which would be a lot of fun. It reminds Absolutely. me of, yeah, there's almost like this, what was it? I can't remember the coding site, but it's like a GitHub for that uses a currency to power and, and ask for certain requests from people, you know, to go out and do, do things. And then they're paid in that currency and it's, yeah, it's really, really fascinating. So this, this all sounds great. You know, we had talked about, I know you, you had spoken to a couple of folks internally at Proof around, you know, allow list spots. So, you know, how can the Proof community get involved in, in everything that you're doing? Yeah. So yeah, we, we love the Proof and Moonbirds community. So yeah, we, we have, we have two allow list spots going, one for Proof and one for Moonbirds. Yeah. So oh, fantastic. Yeah, a, yep. So yeah, we'll post the links if you haven't. I think they were posted already, but we'll, we can post again. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll put those in the in the in the discords then, and make sure everyone sees that so they can have a shot at this. When is your official public mint date? So for those that are listening here that aren't proof or Moonbirds holders, how can they have a shot at the public mint? June 29th. and and we'll also have some reserve for the public. So we'll have allow list, and we'll have public, and also we're doing. I mentioned briefly the VIP NFT uh, VIP allow list nft which we drop to all our holders who have the set which i mentioned before genesis d1 mm. and d2 and the idea there is they can give those out to people they want to invite in and so that is the allow list that community gives out not not you know the team so so that very cool also just hang on in our discord when we drop those probably the week before there will be a bunch of those allow list that, that will get spread around basically growing our community numbers and so do they need to do anything then to receive that allow list spot or does it just have them in their wallet? So if they if have you a have D, the, D1, if you have the allow list NFT, you just need uh, it in your wallet when you mint. See, if you have how, the regular allow list from pre-mint, then that'll be just, we'll, we'll have your address and it'll be in the contract. It'll be whitelisted. Right. Gotcha. Okay, great. This has been awesome. It, Danny, is there anything else we should, you feel we should cover on the, on the community side? Any other interesting things that you want to touch on that you're building or, or things that you, you know, aim to solve over the next couple of years with this project? Well, yeah, we want to solve lots of big things with the project, but just in the near term, N- N- NFT NYC is coming up and we'll have some event there. And I think Moonbirds are too. So, you know, perhaps people can, the two communities can meet up in person. Yeah, when when is your event? Do you have that locked down yet? Yes, I need. I don't have the date on me, but I'll I'll, I'll post it. 
Fantastic. So people can check that out on your, your Twitter account. I'm sure it'll be up live there. Um, great. Well, we'd love to have you back anytime that you want to come and, and chat more about what you're building. You know, I, when I think about the reason I really wanted to have you, you on and, and, and chat about this stuff is I'm a big fan of, of folks that are thoughtfully building, you know, durable communities and they're, they're really, it's not just about, you know, some type of project that, that it gets dropped and then they move on to the next thing. It's like, you know, how can we, we have a chance here with Web3 to reboot all of our thinking around community and what it means to participate in community and, and, and build real, true lasting long-term relationships and, and do good for the world. And, you know, all those things are near and dear to kind of what we're building here at Proof. And I, and I think that, you know, you as an entrepreneur, you know, you clearly built some really impressive things in the past. And it seems that we're, we're very much aligned in terms of our, our mission and what we want to do with our, our community. So I, I really appreciate that and just wanted to tell more people about it. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Lo love what you're doing with Proof and Moonbirds. Yeah. Well, we'll have to figure out fun ways to collaborate in the future. This has been a, a really fun uh, conversation. So, so thanks for having it. And, and lastly, before people go, where, where can they, you know, we, we didn't mention any of the URLs, obviously that we'll have show notes and whatnot, but where, where can people go if they want to learn more? Probably the, follow the Twitter feed on Chainmonkey, okay. the Twitter. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Danny, for being on the show. Thank you. All right, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care. Mm -hmm.